Hello and welcome to the IT Governance Podcast for Friday the 30th of June 2023. Later on, Alan Calder will be discussing current cybersecurity threats and how they affect organisations, and whether the legal and regulatory landscape is appropriate. But first, here's the news. As we've highlighted several times in recent months, the growing popularity of the generative AI chatbot ChatGPT is leading to an increased prevalence of information security incidents. Now, the Singaporean threat intelligence company Group IB reports that it's found compromised ChatGPT credentials in more than 100,000 InfoStealer logs traded on dark web marketplaces over the past year. More than a quarter of the stolen information found by Group IB came last month, with threat actors posting 26,802 new pieces of data in May 2023. According to Group IB, the majority of logs containing ChatGPT accounts were breached by Raccoon Stealer, a malware-as-a-service InfoStealer that cybercriminals can use for a fee. InfoStealers, as I'm sure you're aware, are a type of malware that collect data saved in browsers, such as login credentials, payment data, cookies, and browsing history. And because this data is stored in the browser, criminals don't have to breach ChatGPT's systems to gain the login credentials they need. OpenAI, ChatGPT's parent company, confirmed as much to Tom's hardware. The findings from Group IB's threat intelligence report, they say, is the result of commodity malware on people's devices and not an OpenAI breach. We're currently investigating the accounts that have been exposed. OpenAI maintains industry best practices for authenticating and authorizing users to services including ChatGPT, and we encourage our users to use strong passwords and install only verified and trusted software to personal computers. The problem, as with many data breaches, is what criminals can do once they gain access to your account. In the case of ChatGPT, they can see whatever information you've already given the chatbot. As Group IB explains, ChatGPT stores the history of user queries and AI responses by default, so unauthorized account access can expose confidential or sensitive information, which can be exploited for targeted attacks against companies and their employees. Malware such as InfoStealers is generally spread via phishing attacks, so as well as ensuring you follow password security best practice and implement two-factor authentication to secure your accounts, it's also important to undertake regular phishing training to ensure you remain aware of the threats you face. You can find more information on the subject at itgovernance.co.uk slash phishing. Let Me Spy, a stalkerware app which is used by thousands of people to monitor Android phone users, often without their knowledge, reports that it suffered a security incident on the 21st of June, as a result of which criminals gained access to email addresses, telephone numbers, and the content of messages collected on accounts. According to TechCrunch, Let Me Spy is marketed for parental control or employee monitoring, and, because it's often installed without the phone user's consent, is specifically designed to stay hidden on a phone's home screen, making it difficult to detect and remove. It then silently uploads the phone's text messages, call logs, and precise location data to its servers, allowing the person who planted the app to track the person in real time. TechCrunch reports that when Let Me Spy was contacted for comment, the hacker reportedly responded instead, claiming to have seized wide access to the spyware maker's domain. A copy of Let Me Spy's database appeared online the same day. TechCrunch reviewed the leaked data, which include years of victims' call logs and text messages dating back to 2013, it said, and found that it contained current records on at least 13,000 compromised devices. Meanwhile, the Let Me Spy website's functionality, as well as the spyware app itself, no longer appears to function. 
Somewhat surprisingly, in many countries, such apps are, although clearly immoral, not actually illegal. In the UK, according to the BBC, the Crown Prosecution Service says there aren't specific laws related to the use of stalkerware, but any criminal activity like this can be prosecuted by a number of means, including the Protection from Harassment Act 1997. Let Me Spy says it's contacted the Polish Office for Personal Data Protection, although it's not known if the victims themselves have been informed. Security researchers have identified a vulnerability in Microsoft Teams that could allow attackers to deliver malware to organizations' employees by bypassing the client-side security controls that prevent external users from sending files. Max Corbridge and Tom Elson of JumpSec explain that Microsoft's default configuration allows users from outside an organization to message their staff members, but not send files. Their messages are marked as external by Teams. However, as Corbridge writes, certain security controls are implemented client-side and are relatively straightforward to bypass by using a traditional IDOR technique of switching the internal and external recipient ID on the post request. If an attacker uses a social engineering pretext to trick the staff member, for instance by impersonating a colleague, they can then send malicious files that stand a good chance of being opened. When sending the payload like this, Corbridge explains, it's actually hosted on a SharePoint domain and the target downloads it from there. It appears, however, in the target inbox as a file, not a link. Corbridge reported the vulnerability to Microsoft, which validated that the vulnerability is legitimate, but said that it didn't meet the bar for immediate servicing. He and JumpSec therefore advise organizations to remove the option for external tenants to message their staff members or whitelist a select number of trusted domains. If neither of those approaches is an option, it's critical to educate staff about the risks of social engineering campaigns. That was the news. Now Alan Calder discusses current cybersecurity threats and how they affect organizations, and whether the legal and regulatory landscape is appropriate. Cybersecurity and data privacy issues seem to be in the press almost every day now. Is this because there's been an increase in incidents or an improvement in incident detection? Or is it just a matter of their being publicised more often now? So I think that's a very good question. The, the, the reality isn't that uh, cybercrime is a new thing. Cybercrime, uh, intrusions on networks, attacks, malware, uh, viruses have been going on almost as long as uh, internet connectivity has been a part of how uh, we've approached doing business. What's changed over the last five or ten years is the focus and uh, effectiveness of cyber attacks. And that's changed because of the focus and effectiveness of cyber attackers. Uh, and that manifests itself in statistics like uh, the average device will experience today about uh, one phishing attack every uh, 11 or 12 seconds within the next five or six years. That'll be down to a, a attack every maybe one or two seconds. Uh, in other words, Cyber attackers have found that there are effective ways of getting into networks and getting at assets. And the reality is that 83% of breaches today are from outside the organization and they are driven by the opportunity at financial gain. Something like 95% of all successful cyber attacks have financial uh, opportunism or financial objectives tied to them. And when you think about that, 
you realize that all of the headlines which are given to uh, attacks by rogue states and nation states like uh, Russia, North Korea, Iran, China, uh, while important, while disruptive, are relatively minor from the perspective of any organization thinking about what does it do. Uh, and the year-on-year -year increase in cybercrime, in cyber uh, criminal activity, is driving inevitably much greater exposure uh, in the press and elsewhere. And it's driving much greater exposure because uh, there are so many more opportunities for cyber attackers to make their attacks. Why are there so many opportunities? Well, last few years, particularly with the COVID pandemic, has accelerated digitization in organizations, has accelerated, accelerated a migration to cloud. Uh, and that's meant that more and more organizations contribute to uh, a hugely expanded digital footprint. And a hugely expanded digital footprint means a much, much bigger attack surface for attackers. And with approximately 60% of knowledge workers today now working remotely, some or all of the time, uh, the reality is that for digital attackers, usually based a long way away, miles, jurisdictions away from their targets, the opportunities, the range of digital vulnerabilities, the areas into which they can expand their operations, keep on growing. And that means that the cybercrime ecosystem attracts more and more uh, clever people. It attracts more and more focus by uh, serious organized crime. Uh, and it means that there is more and more criminal activity. So how does that all get into uh, newspaper headlines? Well, it gets into newspaper headlines because of a couple of things. The first is that uh, crime is focused on obtaining money. And obtaining money means either stealing cash or it means stealing uh, assets and selling them on the dark web, or it means collecting information and holding the target organization to ransom uh, for a return of their assets. Or uh, increasingly, what it means is stealing data, probably personal data, holding the organization to ransom for return of the data. Having got paid a ransom, you then hold the individuals to uh, ransom for uh, some more money, not to reveal their data. And then once that's happened, you sell the data anyway, because if you're a cyber criminal, you're not necessarily focused on uh, abiding by some form of commercial contract. You're looking at how you maximize your income from every single activity that you are involved in. So um, the reality is that cybercrime has huge ramifications and affects growing numbers of organizations, and it affects them quite seriously. The average uh, value, the average cost to an organization of a cyber breach is about $4.3 million, according to IBM's most recent research, $4.3 million. And the average organization may have anywhere between three and ten uh, fairly major financial financially motivated cyber breaches in a 12-month period. Uh, in the last 12 months, for instance, one in three organizations has reported having had a cyber breach. And it's still the case that most organizations prefer not to own up to a cyber breach. They only own up to it because the press finds out uh, or because a number of people whose data has been compromised uh, raise it publicly or bring it to the press's attention. Uh, and that leads to an exposure uh, and that typically leads to 
uh, a drop in the share price of the organization. So we see more and more organizations uh, beginning to realize they've got to do something about cybercrime because their share price and their uh, customers are being affected by the impact of cybercrime. Um, and it's difficult for organizations to take appropriate steps to deal with it because there is a tremendous shortage of cyber professionals, of people who can deal with helping organizations set up and defend themselves against cybercrime. The current estimate is the cybersecurity skills gap is something in the order of 2.7 million people. So there's a, for every 100 uh, vacancies, there are only about 66 people who are able to apply for the vacancy. So that means organizations who realize they should be doing something about cybercrime simply don't have the capability and they can't get the capability to do something about it. And then, of course, when they turn to uh, the supply chain, the supply chain is also going more and more uh, digital, which means that not only are they as an organization exposed, but their supply chain is exposed and attackers can get into the organization through the supply chain. And that whole combination of uh, financial, financially motivated cybercrime, uh, the impact on organizations, the impact on individuals, and the reality of uh, the, 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 the way in which a single uh, cyber breach can affect thousands, hundreds of thousands of individuals inevitably means that there is more and more coverage being given to cyber crime. So uh, the answer to the question is, no, it's not just happen, happening fortuitously to get a bit more uh, coverage. The reality is that the market for services and solutions to help organizations deal with cybercrime is growing uh, tremendously. It's currently worth about $1 trillion. And it's an addressable market of about $1 trillion, growing at about 12.5% uh, per annum. So it will very soon be somewhere between one and a half and two trillion dollars worth of services helping organizations try and address cybercrime. So there you are. That's uh, what I think is happening in the market. We all worry about data breaches, cybercrime and cyber warfare, particularly when the state of global politics seems more volatile. But to what extent do they affect businesses on the bottom line? Is the legal and regulatory landscape appropriate or informed by an abundance of caution? Again, I think that's a very good question. As I, as I was saying, talking about the expansion in the cybercrime ecosystem, uh, um, taking advantage of the expansion in organizational digital footprints in the digital supply chain uh, and the size of the average breach, $4.3 million uh, or so. Um, the reality is that organizations are suffering significantly from breaches. And when you have a breach, uh, you not only are going to end up paying money quite often to the cyber attackers in the form of ransom, if you haven't got uh, proper cyber defense in depth, which enables you to deal with and recover from an attack. Uh, but you're also likely to find yourself paying money to regulators because of the growing uh, range of uh, regulation and law covering cyber crime uh, and covering data protection. And remember, uh, nowadays, pretty well every single cyber breach is also a personal data breach. There is personal data which is exposed, stolen, held to ransom. Uh, and that brings organizations uh, to encounter, if they haven't before, uh, either UK or EU GDPR, or in America, perhaps a class action suit. Um, and uh, versions of that depending on local 
data protection law. And, and under EU and UK GDPR, uh, the maximum fine for absence of appropriate technical and organizational measures, steps to protect personal data, could cost up to 4% of global turnover as a fine. So you're facing damages that you uh, have to deal with in the way of paying a ransom, maybe several ransoms, regulatory fines, but also you're paying for diversion of management time and effort to deal with the breach, uh, and you're dealing with loss of customers because uh, and the statistics indicate very clearly that customers look at organizations that have had breaches and go, hmm, not for me, and you're looking, if you're a listed company, at a decline in your share price. So all in all, organizations don't want to have supply, don't want to have cyber breaches. They want to avoid them. And whereas they used to be able to turn to uh, cyber insurance and go, well, you know, we've kind of got a fallback. If we have a cyber attack, it's unlikely. Uh, if we do, we've got cyber insurance. We'll be able to claim on our cyber insurance um, and we'll be able to deal with it. But the reality today is that cyber insurers have got are tired of paying out for cyber breaches. It costs them too much. It ceases to be economic. So cyber insurance has become a difficult marketplace for most organizations. Cyber insurance is difficult to obtain. It's expensive. And you've got to prove that you're unlikely to be breached. Remember, insurers are not looking for the opportunity to pay out insurance. What they're looking for is an opportunity to make profit. So rather like insuring a building against uh, physical crime, you have to prove that you've got the appropriate locks, burglar alarms and so on, you have to prove that your organization has got the appropriate level of cybersecurity controls in place. Now, it's important to bear in mind that um, the favored vector of attack is through inadequate processes and through people. What cyber criminals have realized is that uh, it's the human being which is where the uh, weakness is, and so they focus on human beings. They don't focus so much these days on the technology infrastructure. They assume that's probably uh, fairly complex and difficult to get through. Uh, and that makes it even harder for organizations to work out how to demonstrate that they are genuinely secure. Ransomware has become the uh, attack tool of choice. It's pervasive. Uh, it's used in almost every single uh, successful email-based uh, attack. It's usually a phishing uh, email that does the job, but it could be some other form of uh, ingress. Um, and ransomware is very high profile, very disruptive. You see organizations like the Irish um, health system, the uh, many of the uh, institutions of the National Health Service, UK universities, uh, a major pipeline in the uh, northeast of the United States, local councils, all of them are impacted by ransomware, impacted where you have to resort to pen and paper to do your work. If people can still remember how pen and paper works, um, you have to send people home. It's a major disruption. And that's led, of course, to this proliferation of data protection regulation and increasingly cybersecurity regulation laws around what organizations have to do to demonstrate that they are appropriately secure. And that is leading more and more to the evolution of frameworks and standards uh, against which organizations are expected to demonstrate compliance. International standards like ISO, uh, IEC 27001, uh, European data protection standards like Euro privacy. Um, and organizations increasingly have to demonstrate to their customers as well as to their staff and other stakeholders that they're genuinely secure.
it can deal with the range of issues which uh, everybody is increasingly aware are issues for all organizations. So, no, I think the short answer is I don't think that it's an abundance of caution that's leading to uh, greater activity by organizations to defend themselves. It's a recognition that in truth, they are running behind cyber criminals. Cyber criminals are more advanced, more sophisticated, better at uh, executing effective attacks than most organizations are at defending themselves. Thank you, Alan. That's it for this time. As ever, you can get in touch with us either by leaving a comment on the blog or via Twitter at ITGovPod, that's my account, or at ITGovernance. We'll return in a fortnight, but until then, our archive is on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And you can find everything you need to implement and maintain cybersecurity defense in depth on our website, itgovernance.co.uk.